If you'd like to support the show in a way other than just listening, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the flight diary for more information. This episode is brought to you by True Flight Disc Golf. True Flight is a disc golf lifestyle brand started in San Diego, California by professional player Garrett Tapkin. Plain and simple, True Flight's mission is to bring quality products to the community they love. Inspired by San Diego's rich history in skateboarding and outdoor adventure, Garrett realized that disc golf needed more stylish apparel that could be worn on and off the course with pride. There's a lot in store coming up for True Flight, so this holiday season make sure to stock up on hats as well as a large selection of custom stamped discs at trueflight.co. This episode of The Flight Diary is brought to you by Wander Disc Golf, a brand that's bred from passion for the sport and all of the beautiful places it can take us. Wander has a wide variety of thoughtful apparel rooted in disc golf and an advocacy for mental health. Find them at at WanderDiscGolf on Instagram and shop at WanderDiscGolf.com. You're listening to The Flight Diary, an intimate collection of stories, theories, and thoughts from the world of professional disc golf. I'm your host, Brian Earhart. A few years ago, Austin Turner was speculated to become the best left-handed player that the game had seen for a very long time. Alongside a natural athletic ability and strong competitive drive, Austin had a very well-rounded skill set that was improving at a rapid pace. After a serious injury put him out of commission for a while, he seemingly disappeared from the scene, only to re-emerge this year with a new outlook on the game as well as his life. I'm excited for you to hear what he's been up to and where he's going now. Enjoy. Because I started baseball when I was right around four years old, and that was that was pretty much like the best time I ever had. Because I got to hang out with other kids, like doing the same thing, rather than just going to school and and painting pictures and getting stars and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they, baseball was like my time to like hang out with with kids that loved doing the same thing I did. And and I know you were a baseball player. For, for your pretty much your whole young life, we've talked about this previously. Um, how big of an impact did it have on you as a, as a young kid? Um, I mean, it, it made me competitive, which I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. Just because I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be that little kid who's crying in the corner, you know, who's, who's, who's a, doesn't want to have fun or, or wants to try to win. But when I was younger, like I wanted to win everything, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to compete, you know, right, whether it, we got last place or first place, I just wanted to compete. It, it definitely put me in a good, in a good, uh, mindset that like you're, you're, you got to work hard to get better, obviously. Right. Definitely. And how was the, the, the competitiveness for you in baseball? Like where I came from little league essentially dissolved and it was all travel teams um, after, after a certain period of time, little league was almost dead. Like h- how was the youth sports in your area? There was a ton of teams, like w- whether it was like schools, churches, like just pop-up leagues or anything. Um, there, we had a lot going on. So it was never, we never had, we're scared of, of something dying down. Cause we always knew there was going to be like a team to play or like mm-hmm. some league to be in, which was nice. Did you ever play? Did you ever play on one of those travel teams that trained like super hard, even though that they were like ten years old? <laughs> I I didn't play on travel teams. I did I did a lot of the city stuff. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't really travel more than like an hour. Okay, but but I mean, you grew up in Charlotte, which is huge and so vast and and spreads so far. Like I'm sure you could probably get an incredible baseball experience, even not having to pay all the money. To oh, for sure. Yeah. Teams. I mean, Char- Charlotte is, is big in just about every sport, honestly, whether it's mm-hmm. soccer, baseball, football, basketball, like if you want, if you wanted to find a good team or organization or association, you're, you're going to find it in Charlotte for sure. Yeah. And I love Charlotte. Like I I've lived there for a decent amount. I would love to end up there. There's always something going on, whether it's in the one of many parks, like hundreds of parks in Charlotte. Like you there's, guys are, there, there's way too many. Yeah, way you, too many. You guys are the disc golf mecca of the country. That, when it comes yeah, that, to that's why we have like thirty plus courses. Yeah, it's, but, well, it's, it's insane. 
but we have like two, 300 parks. So just imagine if every park was on board, like we would literally have like the disc golf destination. Like you, you could, you could have a Charlotte tour. You wouldn't need to travel around the country to go play all these tournaments. We could have, we could have the pro tour literally in North Carolina if we wanted to. (laughs) That's so you are. And you're right about that. Like you drive through the area. And again, if you're listening to the podcast now and you're wondering, and I I say this because I see this question on, on the Reddit pages all the time. If you're looking for a place to take PTO and fly out to and play disc golf all week, Charlotte will never let you down. You can go to Charlotte and play 14 different courses, two different courses per day and have the best time of your life. And it's all beautiful woods disc golf. I'd recommend it in like spring or fall. Summertime, too too muggy and gross, too many bugs, too much pollen. Wintertime, too cold. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not like your Chicago cold playing mm-hmm. disc golf or it's snowing like most of the winter, but you, you, you'll see a cracked disc or two. So yeah, it's cold, but it's not, you can still play all winter in Charlotte if you want to. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not tank tops and shorts, but you, you, you can play, you can play. Definitely. And <laughs> I, I asked this question to a lot of people that I interview because I, I always find it interesting looking at you now and me knowing you now. I, I have a hunch to the answer of this question, but when you were coming up in school as a kid, um, were you, were you super studious? No, <laughs> no, I, I, I think if, if you, if you've ever seen me, whether it was back in the day or now, I guess you can kind of, you can kind of guess that I was trying to be like the class clown or just not, I was not interested in, in studying or whatever. So my, Pretty much middle school at, at a private school was like er, everyone is like super smart. Like they're all talking about going to college already. I'm like, I don't even know what college is yet. So <laughs> let's just not talk about that. Yeah. But I, I think I had like a like a 1.8 GPA. So like I don't even know what that is. What is that? Like getting a D D minus? 2.0 would be like would be like uh C average. Yeah, I, I wasn't close to that. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, I think my best class was recess or PE, obviously. Yes. So that's what you were probably thinking about in school. I'm guessing was, was sports. That's what your, your stream of consciousness was pretty much just because my grades were so low. I couldn't join any of the the school teams. Um, the only, the only sport I did that didn't care about grades was cross country, Mm. um, which was fun until I got diagnosed with asthma. So I I pretty much ended after one year. The opposite. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's funny asking different people how they were in school and you look at them now and it almost feels like it doesn't matter what the GPA is. Right. It, it, there's, it, there's so much that you can find now, whether you're, you know, a five, five Oh GPA going to law school or, or starting your own firm or whatever you're doing. And rather someone having like a 2.0 and, and, doing stocks or crypto or just finding anything. There's so much stuff you can just go out and find. If you know the right people in the right like market, you can make a crap ton of money in this yeah. day and age. Yeah. I think, I think, um, especially the youngest generation, it's going to be interesting to see how they like, they come up as opposed to how we came up with like, even you coming up in school, like you're still a lot younger than me, but we still had, <laughs> we didn't have like smartphones to like look up anything at you know the tip of our fingers. But um, I'm I'm interested to see how that how that moves forward. Um, but for you moving forward in school, you find disc golf at kind of a younger age to begin with, correct? Yeah. So I I, I think I started playing when I was like ten or eleven. I ended up buying discs at the local Dicks when I was five. Um, me and my grandpa were trying to find some frisbees just to play catch with, and of course, you know, you walk in, you go into Dick's now, and you, and you see like the end of a rack, you know. And you're like, oh, cool, they have discs here. I'm just gonna play with them and whatever. But I, we, back in the day, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't like the Star Destroyers or like all all this nice Primo plastic. So obviously, like I walk in and I see a DX Shark. I'm like, that stamp is sick. I gotta get that. And then next to it was a DX Wolf. I'm like, the Wolf is so sick too. I'm like, I need both of these right now. We're going to the park and we're going to go play catch. Yeah, oh obviously, boy. obviously not knowing that a disc weighs 175 grams and it's like a different kind of plastic than like a, a catch disc. 
So um, I, I'm pretty sure I, I broke a couple bones. Probably had a couple bruises <laughs> yeah. on me. <laughs> Terrible so, game of catch. Yeah, the, those ended up got 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 throwing away in the garage for for a long time until I ended up finding them um, years later. Then that, that that's pretty much how I started was digging through the garage, you know, and and just saying, oh, I remember these. Oh, there's a course literally five minutes walking distance from my house that I'm gonna go play now. So that's that. That's how all that started. What well, what was the course? I it's in Mint Hill, correct? Yeah. So it's called it's called Veterans Park, or you, we we just call it Mint Hill Park. Um, but it's, it's a nice little nine hole course, pretty beginner friendly. Um, they have the old single chain cone baskets there. So I, I think it was put in in like like ninety six or something. Um, nice. But it, it it's a sick little course. You know the the par the pars are a little messed up. There's like a 400 foot par five and like every par par four is 300 feet or like 260 but it was it was was a good good learning course did you play did you play with like neighborhood kids or did you go out there by yourself or with no i didn't i didn't really have you know a lot of friends growing up um obviously going from private school and i had to drive like 25 minutes to get to school and everyone else just lived over in that area but um yeah I, i just I would either take my bike or ride my longboard over there or get dropped off by the parents and just go play by myself and just enjoy the park as like an 11 year old, you know? Yeah. I, I definitely know exactly (laughs) what that, that feeling is like. It's awesome. It's like your first taste of real freedom, right? Yeah. You're just out in a field and you're exploring. And for me, I don't know if it was the same with you, but once you learned how to throw the disc a decent amount, like a decent ways straight, your imagination kind of blows up. Uh, yeah. I mean, at, at the time, I didn't know that there was like actually tournaments and everything. And like there's pros and there's all these different divisions you can play in. And like you can actually win like trophies and, and money and everything. So that once I started figuring that out, that kind of caught my eye. And uh, I, I used to watch YouTube literally every night for like three years straight just so like didn't matter what it was if it was like a tournament an ace video you know just like instructional videos and how to get better like i was watching it and i i i definitely definitely saw some saw some cool things on it that helped me you know throw throw the disc a little far farther you know help me fix my form a little bit because you know like i said i didn't really have anyone to teach me how to play early on until i finally started meeting more locals but youtube was like the biggest help that I could ever ask for. Yeah. YouTube is insane. And you got into disc golf, right? As like, there were a lot of disc golf media resources starting to pop up left and right. Like Jomez got their start in like 2011 or 2012. Yeah. 2012 Charlotte worlds actually. Yeah. In insane. Just like that was an awesome time to start getting into the sport because yeah, now there are your resources to teach yourself. I, th- I think speaking of worlds that year, the, one of the, my favorite moments from that tournament was obviously, you know, as a younger uh, player watching disc golf, we have all of our idols. So I, I, I bought some discs, got them signed by a lot of people. And then the one that I remember that, that stood out the most was Nico out of all people. Um, he, I asked him to sign my disc and he said, he said, hope to see you out here one day. And you're like, I, <laughs> and obviously not, not thinking that I would and, and yeah, well, playing with them. It's like, wow. I mean, I, I know he wouldn't remember that if I told him, but to hear that and then to, you know, play with people like that and, and whoop their ass every now and then. Is <laughs> yeah. <kinda> fun. <laughs> I know. And I, I know that just, just being around you, the, the, the bit that I have, I know we had a brief, a brief period where we were traveling together. I know that you're competitive. Like you, you have, you have this little chip on your shoulder that's never ending. And I know you like to prove people wrong. And I know you like to kind of get under people's skin and, and win. And that, that's a really good quality in a competitor. So what I want to know though, is how you took that. You said baseball was a pretty incredible, you know, competitive outlet for you as well. How did you take, how did you take that competitive spirit from the moment you found disc golf to the moment you got on tour like what were those years like what was that progression like like because you got good fast 
so the, the, the main reason why I started taking it more seriously um, was I think when I was 11. So when I basically, when I found disc golf, um, I, we were playing in the playoffs or regular season in baseball and it was a rainy game, um, hit a, hit a, just a dinger out, out to, to right field. And, um, the, the kid just had fastest legs ever. Apparently he had a cannon threw it to first before I got there. So I'm, I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously reaching out with my leg to try to be safe. And I was safe, but my, there, there was a hole under the base cause it was raining. Mm-hmm. My foot went right into that hole. And of course, when I went forward, my, my whole ankle just snapped. So I ended what? up, I ended up breaking my ankle that game. Um, and that, that's kind of what, what took me out of baseball. Um, we ended up, we ended up winning the championship that year. Uh, I walked out in crutches to get my trophy. So that was awesome. But, um, yeah, that, that, that kind of, that kind of broke me a little bit, you know, on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I, I played, I tried playing the next two years and it just, it wasn't, I wasn't the same player. When you were coming into like that season, you know, I know you're young, but did you have aspirations to go pro in baseball? Oh, you t- for sure. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I, I was an all-star in, in the, in the organization that we were in for three years in a row. Like I, I, I was, I was lead hitter each game. They could trust me to hit the ball hard and far, or, you know, just get on base. But like, I, I, I was a good player. I was. Yeah. And, and I mean, you had aspirations to be a professional player and yeah, that, I mean, even as a young kid, it's just to have the thing taken away from you in, in that weird way, you know, how, how long did it actually take you to recover from the ankle? Uh, I mean, it, you know, obviously being younger, you heal a little faster. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I was on a cast for like eight weeks and then a boot for about two, three months. Damn. Um, but what's funny is, well, obviously when I broke my ankle, like I couldn't do much, but I would go out to the courses and play with a cast on my foot and crutches. <laughs> I, I I think I still have the second cast to where there's like holes in the bottom of it. They're like, what were you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Oh, were you, were you just raw boot on the tee pad? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude. I actually, uh, I actually got an ace with, with the, with the boot on too. It was fun. That's an awesome ace. Oh, guess what disc it was. Was it the wolf? Champion groove. Oh, baby. <laughs> hanging up, it's hanging up in my room right now. You might be one of the only people in disc golf that has a groove hanging in their room right now. Right. Yeah. It was, it was, it was cool. Cause I found it and it's, it's purple and it's got like a dyed skull in the middle. I'm like, this is sick. <laughs> that might have incredible value in years to come on right. the collector market because, because the groove now is so heavily memed that, Maybe it might be not worthless in, in years to come if they stop, you know, coming around. It, it was a good disc. But I guess I guess I wanted to to really dig into when you got over baseball, you stopped playing, you start falling in love with disc golf. When did you get immersed in the the Charlotte disc golf world? Because I mean, playing by yourself as a kid, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing, but then little do you know at the time you're in the middle of like the mecca for disc golf and there's thousands of players in the charlotte area yeah i mean so after breaking my ankle and then like figuring out baseball wasn't what i i could do great or at least mm-hmm. make a living off of it that's when i started putting more time into disc golf um i didn't really have a lot of friends in high school so a lot of my time after school was still not doing my homework until the next morning um, and going out and playing all the time. Um, and then I found one of the, one of the local leagues at Chaga Am league um, met, met some cool people on my card who are pretty decent. Um, Kyle Hogan is one who's, who was a big part of my early disc golf career and helping me form to who I am now. Um, yep. Yeah, they, they took me out to play another round afterwards and they just stomped me into the ground pretty much. So I, at that point I learned like, dang, like I want to beat these guys, you know? So I'm like, I, I can't drive then. So they, they were very nice enough in a time of my life to where they could pick me up 
And uh, my parents didn't care that they knew I'd be fine with them, Mm -hmm. um, which was awesome, you know? So I would get picked up like four or five times a week. We go play like one or two rounds a day, it seemed like. Um, And it's just that same repetition of just throwing all the time, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. Um, And then, yeah, then after that, like I, I started playing all the other leagues, which Charlotte has like 30 of them. So whether it be like a Monday glow or like Tuesday doubles, you know, Wednesday had some private league, Thursday was Chicago AM league, Friday, who knows what Friday was. And then like Sundays, we do another AM league at Reedy. So, I mean, there's there just so much stuff to do to where you can either just play casually with your friends or get a little more competitive. You know, as a lot of, a lot of newer players call a uh, league like tournaments and everything like they, they kind of are tournaments, you know, mm-hmm. you get to play a little more seriously. Um, if you don't, if you don't play a lot of tournaments, um, and that's kind of what, what got me into playing tournaments was doing leagues and everything. I, like I, I wanted to win. I didn't want to win some, some disc cause I, cause of my handicap, you know, I wanted to go win a tournament finally from just raw score. And that's kind of where like the drive came from. Yeah, and I, I I know we've talked about this in the past, but I find this very very fascinating. You got linked in with a frisbee legend at, in your early years coming up in disc golf. Yeah, like, Stan McDaniel. Yeah, the, talk to me about that. The mule himself. Um, so Kyle Kyle was really good friends with Stan, and we ended up just meeting up finally, um, and that dude is a legend literally yeah. if, if you're not familiar with stan go go google him real quick and just see like all everything he's done whether designing courses you know winning master worlds three times or just just being like a disc god pretty much we we, we call him the disc god in in north carolina but yeah i mean having a guy um with that much knowledge in the sport and just trying to pick out his brain and learn everything was like a huge learning curve for me because I, I learned I learned a lot of discipline and a lot of a lot of factors in my game and like form and everything which he helped out a lot and that's pretty much where like he always said be consistent because you know you got to be consistent if you want to play in the woods in, in North Carolina and that, that that was like the biggest thing to take away from it what was his game like I've never played with Stan what what is his style like um, he, he only throws backhands really. Um, he has like a little hop in his step when he throws. If, if you, you got to find it, it is the greatest. It's one of the greatest follow throughs and throws you'll ever see. Dang. But okay. The dude literally would never miss a line. Like there's, I guess there's a reason why he made the holes the way they are. Cause only he could throw them the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. Very, very smooth guy. Heiser flippy guy. Um, a lot of Casey rocks, AVRs, Eagles, he could mash on a boss. I'll tell you that. Interesting. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was on, he was on Innova for the longest time or he still is. I, 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 I would assume so. I think um, so. and he, and he kind of opened the door for me to get sponsored by Innova when I was, I think 13 or 14. So I was put on the junior team because of him and I was like freaking out, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm sponsored. And I was so, I was a little cocky, cocky, piece of crap at that point <laughs> like at any time i'd play with someone i'd be like oh yeah i'm sponsored by the way <laughs> <laughs> of course of course <laughs> just rocking my innova stuff and everything and yeah i mean it, it, it was a good learning curve you know to yeah. to to take all the being sponsored and what it actually means to be sponsored rather than just saying oh i'm sponsored i'm cooler than you so, yeah exactly so <laughs> it's so funny that you say that not many people these days are getting sponsored like like actual sponsorships when they're like 13 years old. Like right. we have a lot of sick 13-year-olds, but I think that's the reason why it's getting so hard to get like a decent sponsorship deal as a kid. For you going into tournaments, um, you know, what was your approach like? Were you training the same way you trained in baseball or were you just playing a lot? Um, I didn't really have a training regimen. I would just I had a couple baskets in the backyard, so I would just throw a shot like 60 times until I made one or just had putting games with the family or just friends. And that's kind of, that was pretty much my only practice besides like playing one or two rounds a day, which I, I guess um, worked in pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But other than that, I didn't really have any like strict like regimen to follow, you know. You, you didn't do any like field work like constantly. Not really, no. Okay. Interesting. That's that's another thing that I find really fascinating. You know, some players grind field work all the time, and some players have never stepped foot on a practice field one time, and they're still a great player. Um, my 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 question for you now before I, I stay on disc golf was we're gonna jump back to you in school you're obviously playing disc golf and growing up in the disc golf community in Charlotte, but then it's so funny. You might've felt the same way that I did. It's like, I had two lives. I had, I had like my disc golf life. And then I had like, I had to like snap back to reality to like school. And it was like a completely different world. Cause no one really played, you know, disc golf at my school. Um, what was like high school looking like for you? What was that trajectory looking like? And where was your head at when it came to like, Oh crap. All my friends are talking about college now. Like what is my life going to look like? High school was honestly a, a good point in my life. Cause I learned so much. I mean, private school and, and public school, two different things. So you, mm-hmm. you learn a lot about, about just life in public school. Cause you see so much stuff, whether it's like the way people teach or like the way, like they give out tests or just like the kids in general, like how they live their lives and everything. Like to me, to me, that was the biggest thing was like learning about other people and like every, I, it, public school is such a wide variety of like, exactly. Very rich, very poor, you know, parents are like very unsuccessful in life and they're just trying to like get a, get a scholarship and try to, you know, help out their family. Exactly. And, um, you just, you just learn a lot in high school, honestly. So I was very blessed to go to a, a high school with like 2,600 people, even though I didn't have a lot of friends. It was just nice to like learn about people and like learn about life. Yeah. Charlotte's a very diverse place. Yeah. I, I didn't live on the nicest or I, I lived in a, in a decent area, but our school was like in like a really bad section. So we, we had literally everything mm-hmm. like the school was very diverse. So then I guess at, towards you, you know, towards the end of high school, were you, were you thinking about college? Was your family like giving you an option? Like, Hey, wh- what are you wanting to do? Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought about, I thought about college a lot, actually. Um, my, my GPA was a lot better in high school than it was in, in middle school. I think I went to like a 3.5 in, in high wow. school. So like I, I, whether, whether I was like copying someone else's paper or whatever, like no one's going to know now, <laughs> so it doesn't matter, but, oh man, <laughs> but no, I, to that. I, I, I paid a little more attention because you got to take high school a little more seriously. Um, just if you want to want to have like a decent future, um, in a way, I mean, that, that, that's what all the teachers told us. Like you have to be good in high school if you want to have a good job in life and everything. And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I enrolled in two colleges, one being Winthrop university. Nice. Um, and I guess you can, you can tell why I wanted to pick that one. Yeah. Um, and then the second one was coastal Carolina and Myrtle beach. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting enrolled into both. Um, the coastal one came first and I I got a wait list email or a letter from Winthrop. And then two weeks after I signed my coastal agreement, the Winthrop came in saying, Oh, you're approved now. I'm like, so Winthrop you would have was, rather go to Winthrop. Winthrop was the one I wanted to go to just because I wanted, I wanted to play on like their school team. I wanted to play Winthrop every day like that. That was my main goal. But I, I mean, you can't be too upset about going to the beach for school. Yeah, definitely. Which is awesome. So, you know, now we're going to hit, hit pause here because now like that's kind of when your disc golf life started to really blow up was around that. Time. Yeah. 20. Well, I, I, I was I was getting really good around like 2014, so like my sophomore year mm-hmm. or my junior year of uh, high school, mm-hmm. and, and that's when I started playing a lot of advanced tournaments, um, playing pro tournaments, uh, playing Am Worlds, and then um, winning my first A tier in high school against Climo, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. That's wild, and that I mean throwdown, right? Yeah, throw down the mountain. Snag it from him on the last hole. How was that experience? Like, hold on. Like, you, you you're a kid and you go up against Ken Climo. What was that final round like? Playing with the the dude. What is he? he like? 
Um, so Climo is a very interesting guy. Let's say that. Um, he, he, he either likes you or he doesn't. Right. So it's like, you're either going to have a great conversation with him and like learn about him, or you're just going to get a, Hey, hi, hello. Like, see you later. You know? But I, I, I think he ended up liking me based on how I handled myself the last round and how, I mean, I, I guess I just was like, I was trying to talk to him, you know, just like say nice things to him. Like I was shaking. I was shaking, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've obviously growing up, you know, I, I see his name on all the discs when I go in the store and I'm like, dang, that's cool. Like I want to meet this guy one day. And then here I am playing against him and like, I wouldn't say my first A tier, but an A tier, I, I think I was still like 990 rated at the time, but I was, I was 16 years old and I'm like, I've never won a big tournament before. And then just ended up working out perfectly coming down to the last hole. He got screwed over so hard, man, threw a perfect shot with like his 11 time T-bird, Heiser flip turning, hits a bush, rolls 40 feet into the OB. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. It just rolled straight into like this like spray painted OB. I'm like, wow. There's a chance to win this. And I throw a little hole. I mean, if you've never, if you ever watched throw down coverage, hole 18 is maybe one of the sickest ending holes or maybe any hole in disc golf. You're literally throwing off a mountain in Florida, which you don't hear of, right? Yeah. But you're throwing off like a 400 foot hill going straight down to a giant cow pasture and then another like 300 foot back uphill to like a 200 foot elevated green. It's it's the craziest one of the craziest holes ever. It's a sweet hole. It's a sweet course. Yeah. How sick? Quick tangent. How sick was the, was Simon driving the green on that hole? Is it is it is it as crazy as I think it is? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I'm honestly really happy he didn't do it because. <laughs> yeah. Because I I yeah. did to that hole in the tournament. So did you throw I, in? I did from the bottom of the hill. Yeah. Oh my god. Nuke OS, Nuke OS. I was like 150 <laughs> feet away. <laughs> what a play. So you're getting good. I mean, you beat Climo at 16. I didn't, I actually didn't even know that. So then at that point, were you starting to like think like, oh, okay. Well, I... the, the, the previous year in 2015 is when I was playing a lot of open tournaments. Why well, actually I, I won my first open tournament in 2014 at the Bradford Open um, in a playoff against Brad Ramsey, a good Charlotte, Charlotte local, who's still killer. Um, I think I made like a 50-footer, like a death putt, and he missed his 25-footer, and that was my first win. I'm like, okay. I was like 14 years old. I'm like, nice. We got, we got ourselves an, an open win. Didn't accept cash um, just because there was a lot of big AM tournaments I wanted to play, like Bowling Green uh, was, was like a bucket list one for me, mm-hmm. AM Worlds, obviously. Um, and then the next year in 2015, I played Bowling Green, lost to one of your boys, actually. Which one? Oh, God. I can't believe I just forgot his name. Was it um, Eric Ford by chance or Buddy Lee no. Sloan? Or... No, he was, on, he was on Latitude for the longest. Dang. He moved. He, he was in Hawaii for like um, some job thing. Mike Conley? Yeah, Mike. No way. Conley, yeah, me and Mike were battling into the final nine. I got a, I got, I got within two strokes of him, and then he just took the two strokes back. He beat me by four at that tournament. So that, I mean, that that was really fun. Anytime I see Mike, we always either talk about that or just like any other any other rounds that we played together. Mike's killer, man. He's he's a fantastic uh, traditional golfer too. I think he'd be one of the guys that I would pick to be one of the best, you know, traditional golfers and disc golfers combined. Um, so speaking of these like awesome am tournaments, I have a sweet, like a sweet question for you. Cause I, I noticed something when you played junior worlds in 2015, you were like declining cash, declining cash. You played junior worlds in 2015. You played against Marvin Tetzel. And this is a name that like, I looked up I don't know, a few, a few months ago, randomly saw his name somewhere. He's like 1040 rated now. The dude is amazing. And I watched, you yeah. know, I watched some coverage of him. And I'm like, whoa, this guy is really, really good. And you beat him 
at uh, Junior Worlds 2015, and he got second place. What is what is he like as a player? And and at the time, as a kid, what was he like? Oh, he was he was he was cool. I'll tell you that. Um, he he didn't really speak them a lot of English, obviously, because he's from Germany. So he came over to experience, you know, what Worlds was. But at the time, he was the highest rated player in the entire tournament. And he's playing in my division. And I, I, I think I was like the fifth highest rated. Like I was like 980. He was 990. And there was no one higher. Uh, they had Anthony Barella, Mark Huther, uh, Isaac McDonald playing in advance. Like Gavin Rathbun was even there. Um, there, there were some good names back then playing, playing advanced and me and him were just chilling in, in 19 and under. <laughs> yeah, I see that. But yeah, dude, his game is so clean. Like his putting is just so smooth. His backhand form, so smooth sidearm, so smooth. Like everything about him was just smooth. And that that's how a lot of those European players are. Like mm-hmm. they, they figured out the mechanics and they are killer, but they are super killer that I'll tell you what, that kid is good. Um, did you know he was going to be good just by playing with him? Did you did you like think to that think that to I, yourself? I just knew he was going to be good based off his rating. I mean, the dude's yeah. nine ninety playing in juniors, mm-hmm. so but uh, he he did scare me a little bit. Um, going into the semifinal round, I only had him by two. He birdies the first hole at where was this at at uh, Oshtemo in Kalamazoo. He birdies the first hole. And I'm I'm winning by one. I'm freaking out over here. And then I, I I go on to to almost shoot the course record. I shot 13 under from longs, which is like 1055 rated or 1050 yep. rated. And I ended up having a, like a 10 stroke lead going into the final nine after that. Um, but yeah, dude, that 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 guy is a killer. I saw him like like you said like three four months ago, and I, I think he was 1050 rated. Yeah, he was like super, super high. He peaked at some really high rating that you don't get to unless you are unbelievably good. I think he's ten thirty six now, but still, to to That's, maintain a ten thirty you know plus rating is very difficult to do. Consistency is so hard at that level. Yeah, he's he, he's nasty for sure. So you know, this is twenty fifteen, and and we're getting close to when you started touring for disc golf. Like when when did that start to come come into your head? as like a, a possibility as touring, like a per- like I want to be a professional athlete in disc golf. Honestly, when I, after I won, um, throwdown, early, I'm like, I, I just won an eight tier against some of the greatest players to play the game. Um, and I'm like, this could, this could be a thing. And that, that was in, when was that? That was in like February. I think it was in March actually. Mm-hmm. And you know, I only have like a couple more months left of high school. I was a senior that year. Um, so I'm like, well, this sucks. I gotta, I gotta base it off of disc golf or college. And obviously, um, I, I, I think I finished high school a thousand rated, I believe. Um, so I, I, I could have competed. Um, but I'd also be jumping into the season halfway. Um, I have no clue what I'm doing and everyone wants me to go to college. So I ended up going to college for a semester at coastal Carolina, um, in Myrtle beach mm-hmm. where I call my second home, shout out to all my, uh, Myrtle beach gang out there. But yeah, I, I did that for what, like four months, I think. And I hated it so much. Really? My roommate was like a drug dealer. I had the police banging on the door all the time. Like my stuff would get stolen all the time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, college was was crazy. I mean, it was the first time I moved out and did my own thing. And I, I didn't like it. And that, that, that was when I, I started winning more tournaments as a pro. I was getting my rating up to almost like 10-10 by the end of the year. And one of my homies, Chris Brown, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Brown. Yeah. Uh, I, I hung out with him like every night when I was in Myrtle because he was two minutes from campus. So he helped me a lot as well develop and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I was literally at his house putting every night. That's what we would do. Uh, so it, it, it was awesome. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Chris for and Hope Brown as well. I've seen Hope come a long way. Yeah, she's sick too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, both both of them are really a big part of my my uh, my college life. 
and helping me decide what I want to do after this. Um, yeah, then I, I ended up dropping out. The old good college dropout. Classic. Well, then you dive into this unknown world. Like what happened? What, what was the post dropout series of events? Well, I pretty much just told my mom and my, my parents and everything. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to do this right now. I want to go play disc golf. Cause I feel like I could, I can do it, you know? And they, they were a hundred percent on my side and just said, just go for it if you want to do it. Um, and then obviously with big germ being in, in Charlotte, you know, he's touring all the time. I hit him up. I said, Hey, do you want a touring partner for next year? And we sat and talked about it and we worked at everything out. And that was, uh, that's kind of how I dived into everything was with, with someone who knew what they were doing, someone who's won tournaments and someone who could give me some good insight on how to tour, you know, how, how to, to win in pressured situations, how to win and just have a good time. Yeah. Germ, Germ has had one of the most underrated careers as a player out of anybody on tour. I think nowadays, obviously he's this big media personality, but I don't know how many people realize how many big tournaments he's actually won. Yeah, he's he's what he won. He's won Memorial. He's won USDGC. He's won which Waco. I I caddied for him at USDGC the year that he won. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Uh, he won. Yeah, he won Waco twice in a row, and he won um, Maple Hill. Yeah. So, I mean that, that right there, those are the tournaments that you'll get remembered for like Maple Hill. If you win that tournament, like you're a baller, you people trash on him now because it's just like, you know, he's, he's meme material at this point because he's a big media personality. You can't really escape it, but yeah, he's, he's an awesome, awesome player to, to start touring with and you being lefty, he's like sidearm dominant. So like, did you take any, did you get to take lines from him? Like, when when you were first um, yeah I, I mean any anytime at anytime he's throwing a sidearm um i asked him like what what are you aiming at so i can i can try to pinpoint my backhand to that and i mean most of the time it, it would it would work out pretty well but then yeah. and then you get to a point i'm like i don't need to ask him for help anymore i'm good yeah. yeah so then what was that you know initial touring season like like did you feel like you were like coming into your own like what were you learning over that first oh, boy. year I'm not going to lie. I, I killed it first year. I went out. Um, my first ever national tour that I played was at Vegas, the big, the first tournament of the season. And I, I was on top of second card going into the third round. I, I missed, I missed lead card by one stroke. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like what's going on right now? Who, who am I? This is fun. Um, but yeah, I got eighth place. Um, missed, missed USDGC spot by one. I'm like, all right, this kid, this is, this is a good start here. Uh-huh. Memorial had the okay finish, like 25th or something. And then we, we get on to like the Texas swing, Texas. I didn't really understand at first, you know, it's my first year. So I'm trying, I'm trying to learn all these courses, all, all the, the, the area that it's in, like how just fly differently everywhere you go. Um, so Texas didn't really treat me too well, except I did beat German at a tournament there, <laughs> nice. um, at a nice. B tier. So that was nice. And then I guess you, you can fast forward a little bit. I got, um, either seventh or ninth at, at Santa Cruz at master's cup, uh, which is a very big tournament. Um, and then we go to worlds and I get seventh place at worlds that year. That and is that's, insane. And that's kind of when I, I started, things started to click. I'm like, all right, we could actually do this, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, As a lefty, that's so difficult to do at the world championships. And I, so I, I was 18. Um, and then my birthday was the day after world. So I just turned 19. So I'm 18 years old coming in seventh place at worlds with clearly everyone, like the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I, after that tournament, I got bumped up to the elite team on Discraft which they don't really bump up halfway through a season, but yeah. I got the, I got the okay on that. And I was pumped, dude. I was, I was so excited. I bet. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's like, and at the time, like not many people were getting signed to those types of deals when you were playing, when you were touring, like that's, right. that's a big bump. Like, were you nervous at all? Like, was that a lot of pressure for you? Like, Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I I had big shoes to fill. I mean, at the time we had it was DOS, MJ, Tim Barham, and myself. 
and Valerie. So we had we had five players. Like Discraft was was not the company that that people wanted to go after for or to throw. You know, we didn't have all the flashy discs that we do now. Like I've I've been I've been a big Discraft fan since basically I started. Um, so it, I I love seeing the process of it growing, but with with DOS, you know, slowing down a little bit and and wanting to start his brewery, I'm like. They're like, you're, you're going to be the next DOS. You're going to be the face of our company. I'm like, oh boy, that's kind of, that's kind of when like all the nerves kicked in. I'm like, I have a lot of expectations on myself now. And then I think, I think that's, that's what hurt me the most. It's a lot for a young kid. Like, like you never know what an 18 year old is capable of shouldering. Right. It yeah, was, I mean, I mean, I, I, I didn't think I was going to be in that position that fast. Yeah. To where they're like, oh, you you're gonna be the next face of the company. Like, we you need to win. So, yeah, and you gotta be consistent every tournament. I'm like, wow, this is this is tough. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I finished 2017 off really well. Um, almost won Hall of Fame Classic, lost by three strokes to on that one. We were on lead card last round, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, 2017 was 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 the year to look back on and I, I still look back on it for sure. Definitely. I mean, dude, you you come out on tour, you have no expectations. You're like you're like the little kid on tour, you know? There's no one expects you to do anything good. The the universe doesn't expect you to succeed. So you have everything to gain, nothing to lose. And yeah, it's it's crazy when the thing that you've been doing since you were, you know, riding your bike to the course turns into this this career this job and when anything turns into a job i don't care if you knit or you bake bread like it's hard you know and it turns it changes a little bit so then i guess for you you sign this contract mid-year you finish the season well what does that off season look like going into 2018 like were you trying to take it more seriously or were you trying to go with what was working um so 2018 was when i dabbled in the gym a little bit because i was skinny so i was just trying to gain some weight get some reps in and just have the body flowing so i I did that all off season i got to like one i think the highest i got was like 185 um it it is so hard to have a routine a clean routine while traveling yes and uh, and that's something that i look back on like it's it's so tough so i i spent i spent all the work in the gym and i lost all of it um, and I, I, I could see that going through the season. Like I just got fatigued and like having, having like what we said, I had so much pressure and, and so many expectations after what the 2017 season I had, I brought that into 2018 and just flip flopped it. Like I, I just couldn't get things rolling. All I was thinking about was like, Oh, you got to play really good here. Like you got to do better than you did last year. And that just really screwed me over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you were focused way more on the result than the process at the time. Yeah, I mean, you you always got to trust the process, you know. That's right. Well, I mean, but in especially in disc golf, like the moment you start thinking about what something could be or what something might be, then you're not focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. And it it, it can happen throughout an entire season. Or like it's interesting touring and we see the same people week after week and and we like we can see burnout in certain people for like three week stretches you know you play with someone and you're like oh i hope that person's okay you know like and someone who you know is an amazing player is just like completely shanking shots and you're like whoa this is just it's because we're in such close proximity to these people week after week and the game of disc golf is even more to me even more crazy stuff happens in disc golf than traditional golf. There's the, the Frisbee is such a strange piece of sporting equipment. So it's hard to be consistent week after week. And yeah, it's, I can, I can tell that it's, it's been weighing on you or it weighed on you at the time. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I pretty much just threw away 2018. Um, I had a couple good finishes, Dang. but um, I mean, I, I played the whole season. I think, no, I did not So 2018, um, was when I was going through a lot of, you know, just complications with my game. And that was when I left germ for touring. We, uh, we just ended up having not flowing well. And I think that could have been also a little bit of part of it. 
um, because of traveling. Just it just wasn't fun anymore. It's not easy to travel with another person who's like a professional athlete. No, no right. matter who it is, it's hard to tour with somebody. I, I I still text them and hang out with them anytime I'm in Charlotte, but um, it, it's just it's hard to be with somebody all the time and traveling with them all the time. Like you're gonna have complications, you know. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so I I left him in June, went back home after Beaver State fling. I'm like, I got to reevaluate here, and the rest of the season, I just kind of picked. I, I mean, I still played all the tournaments. I flew out, just got rides from like Yuli, Grady Shoe, um, and then the East Coast was the last bit. So I was at home. I could drive to the tournaments and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of when I need to reevaluate everything because I just went from a crazy year to a just a terrible year, mm-hmm. and I had to figure out how to fix it. Did you figure it out? I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest setback was 2018 at USDGC. I was practicing and then I felt something in my back just like pop. And I, I literally couldn't walk for like a day or two. Like anytime I've been over, I had pain. Like I was in so much pain. I ended up dropping out of USDGC. Um, I was shooting like 25 over the last round. Cause I just couldn't, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. I couldn't throw the disc right. Like I was literally in so much pain. So I, I, I took a couple months off, probably two months off, just try to let my body heal a little bit. And then I, I didn't really go to the gym that off season, uh, just because of the injury. I didn't want to make it any worse. Um, not knowing now that if you hurt something, uh, it's better to go work it out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Now I, I know it now, so it's good. But uh, yeah, after a couple months, I was feeling fine. I'm like, all right, let's 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 do it again in 2019, and let's see how it goes. And that's when I I got in with you and and Yuli in the uh, the big old RV. Yeah, the bus. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was fun. Yeah, all it was I a fun remember start. all I remember is me and Bob were just sitting in the back watching movies while you guys drove because I knew I was gonna. You were in the car when we drove through that snowstorm. The snow, dude. The, that, oh that was my the, gosh! That was the scariest hour and a half of my life that I've ever been in. Lay it out for the listeners. Th- this was us finally getting the RV. This is when Yuli, yeah, Yuli got the RV. Me and you jumped in with him, and then this was Discraft trying to get out from Michigan to Las Vegas to start the season. Yeah. Well, so we actually went to Arizona first. Yes. And then, then we went to Vegas, but I, so I think we were driving through like Flagstaff, I Mm -hmm. believe. So the mountains of Arizona, um, and it, for some reason, you know, we, we drive through when there's a blizzard blowing down on the mountain and we're going down this like two lane road. Maybe I think, I, I think it was a two lane road super windy road all downhill and it was like it was like what 60 miles or something and no joke insane no joke this this trip just to get down the mountain was like almost two hours it seemed like and and the road i think something happened where the main road we were supposed to take was closed and we had to take like a side road and the side road wasn't plowed and there was like, oh yeah, no, you couldn't, you saw, you couldn't see any bit of the road. You couldn't see the lines on the road. Like you just had to go based off, okay, where, where does the road meet, meet the trees? And I need to not hit the trees in a 35 foot RV. Oh yeah. It was, <laughs> I, th- I believe it was like 22,000 pounds. Like it was, it was just an absolute beast of an RV. I think they still use it to like take it out on like staff trips and whatnot. But, um, also, I don't know if you remember this, but the, the windshield wiper didn't work. So oh, yeah. it, we turned the windshield wipers on when, when the ice started hitting the windshield and it just started spinning. There was no like limiting factor to how far it could wipe. So it just kept spinning in circles. Oh my God. What a crazy time. Yeah, I forgot I'm that pretty, you were in the RV with me. I'm pretty sure that, that we stopped like that day because the windshield wiper broke. So we stopped at a rest stop to try to fix it. And it just wasn't, it, it was done. Wow. Yeah. That's, that was, that was my path crossing with you. And I know you've told me, you know, you had just talked about how 2018 was a low point for you as a player. You have this amazing 2017, you get the contract you want 2018, you know, 
stuff happens. And then 2019, I just remember, I remember seeing you in pain and I remember playing with you in Vegas. It was me, you, Anthony Barilla and Adam Hammes playing a practice round. And, you know, obviously the two of them just smashed the disc and, and you smashed the disc. And I just remember you not throwing far. And I was like, this is strange. Like he had an entire off season to rest and he does not look good right now. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I went through from the pain from USCGC and I felt great going five months later, six months later into the first tournament in February. And yeah, like you said, like something was off and I knew it. And after that, that first round, I felt something pop again in my back. And I'm like, oh boy, this would start at the first tournament. And I'm pretty sure I dropped out after that first round. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I was so sad. Like I was heartbroken. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to film everyone. Um, ended up getting yelled at by the PDGA. <laughs> so they're like, oh, really? you're, you're, you're not a verified media guy. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I forgot about that. I put out some good content. Though, That's right. That. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, go ahead. And that following weekend and, and next week was Memorial. And back then, you know, you only had two days to get there and practice. I mean, it, it was a Monday, Tuesday tournament started Wednesday. And I'm like, I can't figure this out in this amount of time. I played the first round. I felt okay. And then the second round at Fountain Hills hole one, as soon as I threw my back, just like, it felt like it pulled, tightened, ripped. Like, it felt like I got shot in the back. I don't know what happened, but I shot like five or six over that round. And I'm like, drop it out. Can't play. This Dang. isn't it. You have this, yeah, you have this burnout from, you know, pressure. And then you also have this back injury. I mean, it's it's definitely a feeling of helplessness after a certain point, I could imagine. So after, after yeah, dropping out, we we figured out that it wasn't my back. Um, it was my hips. They popped out of place and they, they like, imagine, imagine your hips popping out and rotating forward. Right. Uh -huh. So like there, my hips were sticking out of my body, almost two inches. Like I lift my shirt up. You just see like my hips sticking out and like, it was so gross. Yikes. I, I, I went through so many treatments. Like I went to like seven different doctors to figure out what was wrong with me. And it ended up being the hips. So then, I mean, I know 2019, you know, you kind of fizzled out. I remember just talking to you. We, we spent a deep, you know, me and you talked quite a bit in 2019. I just remember you saying that you needed to be done for a bit after a while. And I, I know the disc golf community was kind of like, well, crap, Austin just got here. He just got to the party. Like he's the lefty. He's one of the lefty saviors. He could win us a major, you know, for all the lefties. And I know all the lefties band together. I get messages from lefties all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Like there's, there's pride there, you know, there and, when, is, yeah. and when Nathan queen won the pro tour championship, I was screaming. I was just screaming. So excited that, you know, another lefty had success in the game, but you had to take some time off. So where, as the season for you in 2019 ended, what, what, what was your life looking like at the time? Dude, I, so I, I couldn't even move literally. Like I was in bed for two months after I left Memorial. I lost like 20, 30 pounds um, just from not eating and not moving. And they said I had an eight month rehab. And that, that just kind of like took me out of everything. So I ended up, I ended up playing a tournament like four months later. I, I couldn't throw. I mean, I could throw, but I, it felt like I forgot how to do it. Yeah. And then after that, like, I, I, I just see like my, my level of, of inspiration in the game, just dropping. Cause I'm getting worse at the point. I'm like, wow, I'm dropping. Like, I'm pretty sure I dropped below a thousand. I think mm -hmm. I got to like nine ninety five or nine ninety seven or something. I'm like, this is it. Like it was fun, but like, this is it for me. Like, I'll just be a little C tier warrior out here playing one day <laughs> tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So after getting injured, I pretty much had to learn how to rethrow. Like I had to break down my entire form and, and base it off of, you know, what my hips are going to do, what my back's going to do. And it sucked. I'll tell you that. Like yeah. it, it's, it's hard to reteach yourself how to play when you know how to play, but I, I had to fix all the little kinks in my, in my throat to, to make it to where it doesn't hurt. 
and it act actually doing what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I finished out all the rehab and then played more tournaments and then like things still weren't clicking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I noticed, like you, you definitely took time off touring. I know you were still playing disc golf, but you seem to find the gym as like your place after a certain period of time. Like I know people give you a hard time, like, you know, posting your pictures of your progress, but I, I see it as like, okay, Austin is like putting his competitive energy into something else. And like, w- what did that turn into? What did fitness turn into you, you know, uh, turn into for you during that time away from touring? Dude, I, it like pretty much saved my, my life. Honestly. Um, I was super skinny. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I was feeling while playing or just living life. And then obviously doing rehab, like that kind of sparked my interest into lifting the whole re rehab process for me. It was just, I, I loved it just because I love watching something like broken in a way and then getting fixed with like just dedication and everything. And I, that, that, that really helped me out it, through, through that building process. It's just watching, watching yourself fix yourself and and knowing what to do and just enjoying it. Yeah. And I, I remember talking to you, you know, a year, a year or so ago, just checking in to see how you were doing. And yeah, you were like, I've, I've never felt better. My back feels fine. Like I'm, I'm starting to throw again. Like I remember playing with you at the Myrtle beach open. Was it 2020 me and you played together? Yeah. Last year. And you threw that spike hyzer. Do you remember this at the on home? whole whole six? Yeah, when yeah. I kicked oh in the other my fairway. gosh, that was one of the biggest spike hyzers I've ever seen in tournament. And I was like, his back is feeling better. This is great. This is awesome to see. Like I, I just I saw like a different person that day, and I, I, I was happy. I was happy to see that. Yeah, we were playing with Ezra that round too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you were like, well, "What's up, dude? What's up, big boy?" Right. Yeah, that was um, awesome. I'm like, I'm big old chunky boy over here. You're all, <laughs> you're all cut boy. Shreddy boy. Yeah. I mean, he's someone that I am so impressed with when it comes to having a routine on the road, because he is, he is always in the gym, never misses a day. And he's always in the field. He like has this schedule just so perfect. And you know, not many people do what he does on the road, but anyway, I want to say I I'm, I'm seeing your, your schedule you know, for 2021 and arguably this could be one of the better seasons that you've, that you've had. You're playing some good golf right now. I'm, I might be mistaken, but are you at an all time high for rating as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So 21, 2021 you're back, man. And you're starting to play a little disc golf. Like what is your life looking like now? And what does disc golf look like for you in the future? (laughs) So believe it or not, like I really don't play that much. And I'm not saying that like, I mean, I, I, I play You're not being cocky. I get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like, I, I play it's like tomorrow, like Tuesday, we have our doubles here. I play Tuesday doubles and like maybe like a Friday money round or a Wednesday money round. So I maybe play like two, three times a week, three times max, mm-hmm. um, unless it's a tournament, obviously, but I'm literally in the gym every day. Like yeah. if you, if you want to find me, I'm at the gym. I'm, I'm working on myself, getting bigger, getting stronger. Being in the gym has helped me a lot. I mean, I've gained, I went from 160 to 220. Wow. Um, and, and now I'm back down to like 200 right now. So I, I still got a little, still got a little bit of muscle left on me, you know, that's right, just, that's just, right. just, just not a lot of uh, pizza chunk anymore. So that, that's great. <laughs> but I, I find it, I mean, everyone's different, obviously, right? I, I find my gym routine to, it balances into my disc golf to where I feel like I don't need to practice a lot. I don't need to go out and play every day to be good. And I I don't know if it's just from, you know, making my body stronger, but I honestly feel like I don't, I I don't need to practice as much now. Interesting. And, And my, my results are showing. Yeah. You're having one of the, I mean, consistency wise, like you've talked about throughout this episode, you're having some really consistent finishes now and you just won Charleston classic, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you won an A tier and you know, you haven't played that many tournaments, but I guess my question for you now that you might not be able to answer for me is, is this going to be like a cyclical thing? Are you going to start having success again? And then is disc golf going to just drag you back in 
and, and then and then what's that going to look like for you? I, I I know disc golf wants to drag me back in. I'll probably be around ten thirty by the next update because I have, wow. like you said, yeah. I I just won um, Charleston Classic A tier. Um, I lost Myrtle Beach A tier in a playoff the week before uh, to Chris Dickerson and Corey Ellis. So two two very strong big tournaments with with great players back to back. And every other tournament I've played, like the last couple months, like I'm shooting course records, like I'm shooting 1050s, 1060s, and like I'm feeling great. I I I do think that next year is a good, strong maybe for you'll see me at a lot of tournaments. Great. Um, the the main reason why I haven't been playing a lot of tournaments is because I don't want to go out and and finish the middle of the pack. Like Definitely. I'm not I'm not working hard to finish in the middle of the pack. Like I'm going out. I, I told a lot of people, like, I'm only going out when I feel ready that I'm going to win every single tournament or at least be in contention at every single tournament. Yeah. And, Sweet, I, man. and I feel like I'm, I'm at that point right now. That is awesome to hear. I, I have just watched from afar. And when I traveled with you, I heard, I, I heard you talk talk yourself into some pretty dark holes, you know, not saying anything bad about you. It's just, I, I witnessed you at a time when you were struggling with, with yourself in a couple different ways. So to see you triumph right now and feel like, Hey, I'm confident. I like the way I'm playing the game. My body feels good. Life is good. That's awesome, man. I, I appreciate you being on the show. Do you have any closing words for the people listening to the podcast? Um, if, I mean, if, if you've been on this journey with me for the last couple of years and you're still here, I appreciate it. Um, it's been a, it's been a hard, it's been a hard journey for sure. Um, but it's been a, it's been a good life changing one. I'll tell you that. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we can get, get some wins for the lefties next year. Let's go. The flight diary is edited by Nick Soave music by Johnny Darch. Thank you all again so much for listening We have another episode coming out for you in a couple of weeks with a very close friend of mine, stamp artist and ex-touring professional player, Kevin Heitch.